This week on Sportsmanlike Conduct, it's the first episode of the new semester here this fall. We'll talk about Michigan and Michigan State football, what they're going to do in the Big Ten, and we'll also bring up some Lions football previewing all three of their seasons going into this year. Then we'll talk about the Detroit Tigers and what their season has been so far, if we consider it a success or not from what we predicted them to be last year. And we will end with our usual stud and dud. All that and more on Sportsmanlike Conduct next. And welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the first show of the semester, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andy McDonald. It's my third year coming back here. And with me are my two co-hosts that are back again for their second year, Evan Petzl to my right and Elena Hess to my left. Guys, how are we doing? Doing good. You know, it's just another year, right? I mean, summer was great. Really enjoyed myself, but I said it last year. Every time on the podcast, no place I'd rather be than right here. <laughs> It's very true. Anytime you can talk sports, I'll tell you what, these first three days of the semester are eating me alive, but I'm happy to finally be talking sports. So, Elena? I had a good summer, too. Uh, I missed you guys. It's been a while. But, um, yeah, it was a good summer. Worked a lot, but I'm ready to be back. Yeah, and, and where, where, where did you work exactly? I guess I'm just I trying have, to ask everybody uh, what they're doing this, this past summer. My family has a restaurant in Cadillac, Berkey's Waterfront. For sure. Fun, fun job. Yeah. Or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Evan? Yeah, so I work for the Great Lakes Loons as their communications coordinator this summer and, and basically just... A lot of different stuff, writing, you know, photography. Like, got to, even got to do, like, some PR writing and stuff like that, too, which was nice just to get my feet wet in, in that area as well. But, yeah, you know, writing photography, um, you know, doing video stuff, helping out with podcasts, you know, helping out with the actual broadcast of the game, like anything like that. Um, just kind of uses, like, a multi-purpose kind of guy, which was really fun and, and really enjoyable, too. And their manager there, John Shoemaker, he's been, he's been with the Dodgers for 42 years some as a player, some as as a manager in the minor league levels. He's kind of like a minor league for lifer kind of guy and um, definitely well-respected within the Dodgers organization. It was really great to just, like, be around him and have him be able to help me, um, you know, with any story ideas that I had. He was always really open and willing, and the front office there also just amazing. I mean, I couldn't even talk about one person just because everyone was awesome to be around, and it was it was such a joy. And, and for you, Andy, I know you were doing some – some big time stuff too with Wood TV. You want to yeah. share a little about that? Yeah, I, uh, I I was on Wood TV uh, in Grand Rapids this summer uh, for my summer internship. That's uh, where I actually grew up, so it was kind of cool to be able to cover sports in my home community, like the Whitecaps and any high school sports that were going on in the playoffs at the time. It was actually really funny. My uh, my first assignment I got to cover like high school baseball in the playoffs. I we had to go on a road trip. He said my boss says about an hour and a half away. Jack Doles. Um, and I asked him where it was at, and he said Mount Pleasant. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, the one place I cover games all the time. But, no, I mean, overall, just a bunch of great experiences. I mean, like meeting people like Roger Clemens and stuff like that was pretty cool. Well, um, well what? You saw your fair share of prospects, didn't you? I yeah, mean, for sure. You want to talk like, about some of those guys that you got to, to yeah, chat no, with. And... Uh, I mean, Cody Clemens was probably my favorite one of the summer. I mean, overall, um, I mean, th- there was there was multiple I mean, different players get two stories on, but overall, I'd say the one on Cody Clemens is easily the coolest. I mean, you can guess kind of why his dad played for a long time. The MLB kind of fascinated me because you know the 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 one part of his game that isn't the strongest is his arm, and they uh-huh. always called his dad the Rocket. So right. it was kind of like um, the the one difference. But no, there was there was definitely a lot. I got to cover Jordan Zimmerman when he came there and pitched for a game uh, when he's off injury stints. So that was kind of cool to do. Well, you you were lucky that you were able to do that though, because like with with you know the Whitecaps being so close, that's where they send guys, right? Exactly. But the Dodgers like they. They never send anybody to Midland, Balloons, right? Yeah. Like, no, they don't. And just because it's, it's not close. Double A, probably. Oh no yeah, what. yeah. They, yeah, they'll send them somewhere close. So, I mean, for me, I saw a few decent prospects that that came through. But 
I mean, nobody that was, you know, as highly rated as as Clemens or, um, you know, even seeing a guy like Zimmerman coming back, you know, working through rehab, like that was really cool, you know, to see your stories on that and uh, to see your coverage and stuff like that. And that's, I mean, that, that's got to be what it's all yeah, about. It's some pretty you good know, ones I mean, yourself, Evan. Yeah. If no one's checked those out, this kid had some some really good in-depth stories this summer that he did on some of those players over there. So I, I enjoyed them a lot anyways. But, hey, right back at you, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was good working there. And I, I do, I'm still there as a freelancer, so... I'll be doing a lot of high school football stuff this uh, this fall, so I'll still well, be yeah, there. And, and what my season doesn't either, because the Loons are about to make the playoffs. At least that's, that's how it seems right now. There's the only scenario that doesn't get them in is if they lose all all their games, and then West Michigan and Fort Wayne they both have to sweep their three game series that's starting now tonight, and then they play West Michigan and Fort Wayne at the very end of the season for a final three game series, and West Michigan has to take two of three. And that's the only way the Loons wow. don't make the playoffs. So. It looks like they're making well, the playoffs, can, so I'll be around for a while. Know, yeah, for sure. It'd be that'd be good for you to get some playoff action in there. Anyway, yeah. So getting on to the rest of the the podcast here, so we can stop talking about ourselves because we know how much <laughs> people actually care about us. Um, it, we'll we'll get into some uh, Michigan and Michigan State stuff here to start it off, just to kind of get going at the Big Ten. Because to be honest, I'm pretty excited for Big Ten football this year. I know it's easy to say every single year, but I think this year that the two teams in Michigan, Michigan and Michigan State, both have. A lot of talent returning, and both have potential to be teams that are towards the top of the division. You know, both have their different reasons of why or why they won't be. I'd say Michigan State, it'd be more they, you know, they need to put up a few more points than they did last year at certain times, kind of cost them in, uh, you know, the game to Northwestern and stuff like that. Michigan simply just didn't have a quarterback last year, and everybody knows that's the question for them. Shea Patterson has to be the guy um, to be able to take it. He, he was named a starter way earlier than Jim Harbaugh has named any other starters in the past. Um, or since he's been at Michigan, actually the last guy that he uh, named a starter this early in the season was uh, Andrew Luck at Stanford. So that says a lot. That, though. that does say a lot um, about about where he uh, has his faith in Shea Patterson. And I mean, really, I don't think there's anybody else that the confidence uh, a guy that I would have more confidence in, especially the way that Brandon Peters finished the season. You know what's weird um, though? It came out today. Pat Hamilton was talking at practice today, and I guess he was saying um, they don't even have a number two named. Like they don't have their number two. So. Maybe McCaffrey's creeping up, right? So, and that wouldn't surprise spot. me. I mean, and you know, I, I mean, mean, you know, it's only a matter of time for you know some transfers start. I mean, I feel like you know someone's got to transfer out. Exactly, someone's going to go get playing time somewhere else. So you can't blame them for it. And it's not going to be McCaffrey. Do. McCaffrey's not transferring out. Milton, obviously, obviously not. He just got there. Yeah. And then Shea's not going to transfer. He's just going to go to the draft. So yep. kind of leaves the odd one out. If if you know what I'm talking about, for sure. <laughs> and I mean, they started off with a bang here. They're going to play against number 12 Notre Dame, and, and Michigan has five teams on their schedule in the top. 12 that they play against this season mm-hmm. to start the year. So it's definitely going to be a difficult schedule. Um, I guess, Elena, what do you expect from from Michigan here in the early going? What do they have to do to be better than they were last year? I mean, I think it's all going to depend on uh, their new quarterback. So if he can if he can be the guy for them, I think that they'll have a double-digit win season. If not, then I think that we're going to see them struggle. I think that they really need to come out on Saturday against Notre Dame and put up a win so that kind of like the the cloud over Harbaugh that he can't win game win big games uh, is kind of put off to the side and he can really show people that that he's here to win and it's going to happen this year so I mean he's yet to beat a ranked team on the road so yeah. you beat a you beat a team like Notre Dame that'd be a pretty big pretty big deal you know some people were saying I, I saw a couple tweets um, earlier this week that were saying that you know if you were to beat a team like or lose to a team like Notre Dame it's not the end of the world 
I don't know, man. To me, it's going to start, at least the way Michigan fans are, it's going to put a really sour taste in their mouth right away, and you're going to mm-hmm. hear a lot already if he loses that game. So I think it's a really big deal that they come out and play well, and I really don't think they have an excuse not to. Um, they got their guy at quarterback now that's athletic and has the chance to be that way, so um, we'll see what they can do. But, Evan, what do you what do you think needs to happen uh, or what should have happened through this offseason so they can be successful here early in the year? I mean, I, I just really look at, at this year, um, as far as like a schedule standpoint, Kind of like that 2016 season, like when they went nine and zero to start. And I know they didn't. I mean, they played Wisconsin, who who were ranked number eight at the time when they played them. They beat them 14-7, and you know that win gave them their fifth win. They went. They were five and zero then, and then ended up being nine and zero. And I kind of feel that same weird vibe though, because you look at what they got right now, and mm-hmm. they they play Notre Dame. Okay, so that's like your Wisconsin, right, of that year. Obviously pushed up earlier in the schedule, but then I mean you got Western Michigan, which. Might end up being a toss up, but that's just one of those games. And not not mm-hmm. a toss up, but it's going to be one of those games where, you know, they can maybe stay more, in it for a while. It. Exactly. And then what? SMU, Nebraska, Northwestern, Maryland. Like those are kind of, you know, I mean, th- mm-hmm. those games aren't going to be too difficult um, for Michigan to win as long as, you know, what I've been hearing and what people have been hearing and you know fans have been hearing is is true. Yeah. Those games won't be difficult, and then it just kind of hits you and it, and it hits you in the mouth. Yeah, Wisconsin, seriously. Michigan State, Penn State. And like that just kind of that just kind of drills you. And looking back that 2016 season, like that just kind of reminds me of you know that tough game on the road against Iowa, like losing that game by one. And then you know yeah you beat Indiana by ten, but then you you lose to Ohio State, and you know you lose by what, three in double overtime, and and then you lose to Florida State in the bowl game by one. Three of the last four, and yeah. it's kind of yeah you lose by three of the last four, five points I believe they lost yeah. those games by. And then I look at this, but then I look at 2018, and I think. The three tough games right there, mm-hmm. and that kind of and that that ending of their season, man, like that, those losses just derailed everything. And so even if Michigan really is as good as they're supposed to be, and Shea Patterson is as good as he's supposed to be, they're not going to blow out Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. They're not going to blow them out. Those are going to be close games. And I think like if those are games that Michigan can't win, like they weren't able to in 2016. You know that's just going to cause fans to be be pretty pissed off. And I think they have every right to be though. In, they do. in my opinion, I, they I, do. I think with where they're but at. But it just kind of right scares now. me though because that's those that's that little bunch of games where you know and that's that little pack that it's a grind. You got to get past by six games into the year. I mean, you get into that. That's that's where you're supposed to be able to start winning those games. Now, yeah. if you're going to ask me right now if Michigan's supposed to go perfect through those games, I'm going to tell you no, no, absolutely not. They're not supposed to go perfect through those games. It's three. Three teams that are, I mean, Michigan State's number 11, but basically top 10 teams in the country. I mean, if you ask me, going the year, I'll just, I'll give it away right now. I think that Michigan State's going to win the Big Ten East. That's that's my pick. So when it come, when you look at those those teams, they're all difficult opponents. At least two of them are at home for Michigan's sake. But, I mean, eventually they have to go to Ohio State, too, and try to win that game. So it's not going to get any easier for them besides, I mean, probably the Rutgers game anywhere through that part of the season. It's going to be difficult from there on out, so they're going to have to be prepared to play in those games. For the University of Michigan, their three biggest rivals, Ohio State, Michigan State, Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. This season, all on the road. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. And, I mean, you can you can think back to, like, some people were already saying, like, you know, Notre Dame's a lot like Florida last year, where it's like, okay, Michigan won that game, but look at it, it didn't end up, like, being anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would be that way. I think Notre Dame's going to be a pretty good team this year. So I think if, I think if Michigan could beat a team like Notre Dame, it's going to say a lot about where they could be. I think if they do beat Notre Dame on the road to start the season, I mean, you're talking college game day, everything, all that hype buildup and everything, I think it's I think it's a bigger deal than beat, when they beat Florida a season ago. I agree, but I disagree. Why is that? I mean, I, I think pulling out a win in one sense, if it's a sloppy game and they win, 
I don't care. If it's sloppy from both teams, sure. Don't but care. If Michigan, but, if Michigan but looks think, crisp. But no, but if you see Shea Patterson light it up and you see this hype kind of, you know, pouring out on yeah. the field, all right, then then we'll talk. Yeah. But I think until we see how they play against them, like who knows, it might be like a super defensive game and Shea Patterson can't do anything and Michigan's defense wins it. Yeah, that then, says nothing. Then, that says they haven't made any progress yet. Because we know the defense is great. Mm-hmm. That's oh, how every, everybody knows the defense can be great again this year. But can Shea Patterson... And obviously without Treak Black, but can, can Shea Patterson, Karan Higdon, Chris Evans, you know, you you give me your Nico Collins, your Oliver Martin, your Grant Perry, your Donovan Peoples-Jones, can they burn a good defense? That's what I want to know. And that's what's going to make a difference with this football team. We know their defense is good. Mm-hmm. We know Rashawn Gary is good. And we know Chase Winovich is good. We know Devin Bush is good. Mm-hmm. We know their secondary is good. We know Don <laughs> Brown's a great defensive coordinator. It's been the script for Michigan for basically since Don Brown Show got the there. offense, baby. That's exactly. what I'm asking there's, for. There's got to be something else. And you talk about Tariq Black. Elena, how big is it to lose a receiver like that when he was the number one guy? I mean, it's huge. And you're going to have to find somebody to replace him. And, I mean... I don't know. I don't know how you're going to do it, but... A lot of what I see mm-hmm. is that people say that Nico Collins is going to be that guy to step in. And hopefully hopefully he can do it. Is he ready? People, have, got, people have really got to chill out. It's not that okay. big of a deal. I don't think it's that big of a deal at I, all. I don't think it is either. Because you know what? You barely saw Nico last year. And you barely... You didn't even see Oliver Martin at all last mm-hmm. year. And Donovan Peoples-Jones? Well, people are already talking Come about... Come on, he wasn't even developed, dude. He couldn't even return a kick. Yeah, he, seriously. He, like, he was not... He was not College ready. Mm-mm. Now, five-star prospect, outstanding, no, no doubt. Yeah, sure. But making that transition, he was not ready last year. No. This year is going to be He's his year. He's forced to be ready. Nico Collins, that dude is huge. Like, yeah. I mean, he he'll, he'll you throw something up and he'll catch it. Oliver Martin, I mean, he can definitely, he's one of those guys that, you know, he makes a catch and he can run with the ball. He can flip the football field, no, no doubt. I, I really don't think it's that big of a loss. I think you have guys that step up and kind of, develop into star players. I think you see Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Oliver Martin. I think you see them develop, though, right? And then when you get Tariq Black, when you get him back, I think people it's like, like a luxury chip. I think people like Grant Perry are still going to be big to this team, too. And yeah. I, I think someone like I think someone like Zach Gentry could be good, too. Because oh, gosh, you, yes. You look at the way that he, the way that Shea Patterson plays that offense, he he rolls out. It's it's it's, it's all like that, but it's a lot of Hit short, tight end. A lot of short mm-hmm. quick dump-off kind of passes. I don't think it's going to be too much downfield, especially in that first game. And if it is, then they're probably not running their offense right. They're trying to take bombs down. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind seeing a... First down, first play of the game, whip it downfield. I am always a fan of that. Like I am always a fan of it. Cause you never know it's gonna might catch a team off guard. That's okay, but don't, you can't be doing that all game. You gotta stick to a game plan where it's easy for Shea to get into the game and then try to do that kind of stuff later on. Cause he still is a new quarterback. I mean, I know he played in SEC school. I mean, this is a lot different than John O'Corn coming in and playing from Houston. Oh I mean, gosh, I know, I know everybody thought that he could be someone that was good. That. And whatever you, you look at the look at the tape, whatever you know, people thought he was gonna be the starter. You know, even when you know Rudock was there and stuff like that. Obviously, he ended up being a, you know, a garbage can. I, I can't lie about that. But when it comes to Shea Patterson, I mean, he played in arguably the best conference in football. I, I say arguably because I don't, I don't want anybody to give me hate mail after this. But I think it I think it definitely is pretty close to being one of the best conferences in uh, football. I mean, Alabama probably runs the show. It's, but still. It, it's, just, it's just one of those things where, you know, Michigan fans, they'll freak out about anything. They will literally flip their lid about whatever it is. And right now it's Trick Black, and they're going to freak out about it until they see Nico Collins and Oliver Martin and, and, and you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Until they see them perform, they're going to be freaking out about it. But really, like, there's no reason to worry, man. I mean, the, the, they have depth there. They have young depth, which is scary a little bit. I'll admit it. But at the same time, if Nico Collins doesn't work out, 
bring in Oliver Martin. You know, they had they had right. Nate Shanley too, who was was a walk on, and now he's started to develop. And there's only been only been high praise, you know, from the coaches about him. He's one of those guys that he could come on and and do damage. To, there's options, and then well, there's the running tight backs, ends, tight ends too, and running backs. That running backs should be phenomenal and help them a lot more. Oh which, gosh, yes, the, yes. Ron Higdon. Uh-huh. I mean, that guy should be honestly close to the first team All Big Ten this year if he has a passing game and can play. He, with been, he probably could have been in the NFL. I know, seriously, Just, yeah, without question. And he's only gotten bigger through a whole other offseason. Oh, he should gosh, be. Yeah. A great asset. So yeah. I want to ask you guys kind of wrap things up on Michigan. I'm not going to ask you for a specific prediction. Everybody knows that this is kind of Jim Harbaugh's like unsaid hot seat year is what mm-hmm. I would call it. You know, if you're a Michigan fan, you got to be thinking to yourself, like, I know it's hard conditions. you got to play all three of these rivals in the road. It's not going to be easy. But people want to see wins, and he's had chances to do it at home. He hasn't done it. He has the chance to make a statement this year. I mean, some people... Like Kirk Herbstreit, he's loving Michigan this year. Every time he talks about him, he says, you know, I'm really high on Michigan. They're the kind of team that this is, he said, like, this is going to be the year that, you know, Michigan could, you mm-hmm. know, silence a lot of people. This is the year that Jim Harbaugh finally gets what, you know, where he's supposed to be. The, the AP said that. The AP had Michigan in the college football playoff to end the season. I mean, I know it's the AP poll, not the college football committee, but still, yeah. it's still a poll that ranks people. They put him in the, so people believe in Michigan. They really believe in Shea Patterson and, see, and like, realize that it could have been, I mean, last year you look at it, this could have been a team with one loss. If Michigan goes ten and two this year, how do you how do you look at this team? I think it's the biggest question I've heard so far this offseason. They go ten and two, is it a success or is it not a success? I think it really depends on where where that ten and two ends them though. Like I mean, are are they going to be, you know, competing for a Big Ten, you know, title? Like are they going to be the conference ass- title? Like. Because they they I would went assume ten, well, they, mean, went, well, they, they have went, one loss going into Ohio State. That would be what I would think based off where people are putting Ohio State. Well, yeah, but I mean, then you have to look back. Like I was saying with that um, with that 2016 team, they were 10 and one going into Ohio State. They lost and didn't mm-hmm. you know didn't make it into their conference their conference game. So I mean, like that that's my thing is like 10 and two. But where are you really at? I they think, lose the opening game to Notre Dame and they drop one of those teams to the to the big. Or the three in the middle of their schedule there, but then they get like, say they come out on top on Ohio State, so they're ten and two at that time of the year. But they beat Ohio State, and say maybe they the, the the rivalries matter at all to you? Is it if they beat two rivals out of three? If you're a Michigan fan, does that make it enough of success for you? Or I is think it, that if they beat Ohio State, and they're and they're ten and ten and two, if they beat Ohio State, I think they're. I think it's a successful season. If you ask me, Michigan fans want that more than they even want a spot in the college football playoff. Yeah, they'd love to make it, but they could lose two games, and if they beat Michigan State and Ohio State, I think Michigan fans would be so satisfied because that's something that they literally cannot get off their chest right now. To me, with how hard the schedule is and what it's asking, a 10-2 season, no matter how they get there, is successful in my opinion. But if you're, if you're a, Michigan in, a Michigan fan like through and throughout, you're probably hoping that they either make it to the college football playoff and have a loss or none, or they beat their rivals. So wait, are you saying yeah. that you would say it's success it's successful if they ended ten and two, but their two losses are to Michigan State and Ohio State? You're, that's to still me, successful? it still is because I think that this. To me, I don't look at it like that. I look at it as he beat Notre Dame on the road and he beat two other ranked teams that right now are in the top ten. Okay. To me, three teams. I mean, he's playing five teams in the top ten with a quarterback that's just coming in. I'm not one of the people that's that hard on the guy. I, don't, I think he's had some tough breaks with injuries and everything else. Now, I think he does need to win. At some point, he's got to start winning games. But this is the hardest schedule I think the guy's had since he's been here. So to me, 10-2 and two isn't a, set, a, a season of defeat. I would never call that a bad season with what the schedule looks like right now. That's true. Oh, I can agree with that. Like I just don't know how I, I, don't know how I would feel if they lost to State and 
people and have, to me, people have really high expectations, and they're expecting a lot out of this team, and they could get there, but no one even knows what Shea Patterson's going to do. If they don't make it to the Big Ten championship game, the season's irrelevant. It's a lost season. Because that's what it is. That's really what it comes down to. Because if you're, you're not going to get there if you don't beat your rivals. Or you don't beat. We don't win at least one of one of because those are teams. You got you got you got to win two of the three yep. against your rivals in in Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State. I know Notre Dame doesn't matter as much as far See, as Notre getting Dame, into Notre that. Notre Dame's but. questionable even now too because they don't play them every year anymore. So it's it's weird almost at this point to even consider them like one of the three. But they are a rival to Michigan. I mean, it's it is what it is. I mean, do you agree with that though? Big Ten championship game. That's kind of what it is because if you're there. You're there for a reason. It's because you've won those big games. Here's if I'm a Michigan fan, the other thing you're looking at too is Urban Meyer's been at Ohio State for how long? How many times he got him there? How many times he he's got him to the college football playoff? It's Harbaugh's fourth year. So no matter what the excuses anymore, barring major injuries, I'm talking Shea Patterson goes down, Donovan Peoples Jones breaks his leg, and you know, Devin Bush mm-hmm. just quits the team. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Is like stuff like that happens, well, then like, okay, that's that's kind of excusable. Well, even people saying that like if they beat their rivals, then it's a good season. Shoot. If they lose every game except for Michigan State and Ohio State, they win both those games, let's just say that's not going to happen. But you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> is, that, is that really what you care about most? Really? Some fans Or do you want the might. titles? Do you want the titles? Do you want the appearances in the college football playoff? Like, what do you want out of your team? Like, so I feel that, like that just comes with it, though. You just, that, that's you, what, that's yeah, what I'm saying. That's, why, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's my point, too, is like, if you're going to make it to that Big Ten championship game, you lose in that game, darn good season, man. You made it there. That's huge. To, to be Here's one of those top I, two teams in the Big Ten, that's huge. What I would ask any Michigan fan is I'd say go back to four years when he first got hired, Harbaugh that is. Where did you think he'd be right now? Do you think he'd be a guy that's getting you to, you know, no matter what, getting you to yeah. championships? Or would he be a guy that you're hoping can get to a 10-2 record? To me, it's simply just because of the schedule, and this is just a bad year to have it fall on that for him. Mm-hmm. I think it sucks that he has to have the expectations to make it that far because this is going to be the hardest schedule that he's had to do it in. I mean, seriously, the year the year of 2016 he brought up earlier, that was a season that team should have been in the college football playoff, if you ask me. They but had every reason to be, and they blew it. You have arguably the so, best team that he's had, though. So, this is arguably the best team that he's had all yeah, around. Yeah, I, w- I would say so, but I don't think this, th- this one isn't there. But what I will say about that team in 2016 – Running backs, not nearly as good as they are this year. Has better running backs. Mm-hmm. Quarterback, we're going to find out. We don't know. Wide receivers, definitely not as good. J.U. Cheston and Amara Darbo are way better. But the defense, very comparable. Mm-hmm. Offensive line this year for Michigan, should be pretty good, I think. So, I don't know. I think I think it's up in the air. but We'll see. We'll see what happens with them. Uh, we'll, we'll turn it over to Michigan State, though. Like I said, the team that I think um, is going to win the, uh, the Big Ten East um, this year because they have more coming back than any of their of their uh, actual starting um, players of, the, of their production. I believe it was around 98% of their production on offense and defense last year mm-hmm. is coming back to this team. And you're talking about a team that surprised people last year and won a, a lot of games. They have Lewerke. Now, yes, the running back is going to hurt without London. Um, and I, I, uh, but, dude, they still have LJ Scott, That's what I'm saying. LJ Scott is going to take carry a load, though. If you remember right, there's a lot of times last year where he was kind of either moody or he wasn't getting the job done, he wasn't doing it. They, they put in their other two guys that played behind him, and he'd get a lot of yards. So LJ Scott has a lot of shoulders, but nevertheless, he's back. He's an experienced running back. He's had very good seasons in the past. So you hope that he can still do it. They they, they have the receivers back for Lewerke that he worked with all last season, and their defense is supposed to be stout. So to me, on paper, they're just simply a more complete team than Michigan. Now you look at their schedule, and you're talking 
okay, Utah State to open the season when Arizona State, that's probably their hardest game of the non-conference right now. And then Indiana in the middle there, and then CMU. I mean, when you look at all those games, I mean, that's that's a world easier than what Michigan has to play in the non-conference season. And when it comes to their actual like season against Big Ten teams, they go on the road to Penn State, then they have Michigan at home, um, and they have uh, Ohio State at home. Yeah, a ten times easier route, more talent back. I mean, no, what, what I, do you expect for the Spartans this year? I mean, I agree because I, I was thinking about that earlier. Like they have so many people coming back, and Michigan has these new pieces they're gonna have to put in there. And so, in like after after 2016 season when they went three and nine. And mm-hmm. then they came back and turned it right around and surprised everyone. And now this year they're going to have that same, basically the same team, and they're just going to be they're just going to be meshed a lot better than everyone else. So no, I, I I'm I'm with you too on that one though. I mean I just think what they bring back, you know, like both of you guys are alluding to is 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 fantastic. I mean there is no reason why why this team should not be able to do serious serious damage. I mean I mean you look at L J Scott and. You know, he's had his games, but I just think he's only coming back stronger. Brian Lewerke, like, I, I truly do believe Shea Patterson, haven't seen him yet, but I think Brian Lewerke is the best quarterback um, in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I think he's a better I think he's a better quarterback than Shea Patterson right it's now. It's crazy to say that after where he was at. You know, coming into last year, oh, it, was, gosh, it was how bad he was, it was for so it, long. It was this guy is going to be a nobody mm-hmm. coming into it. Like a sophomore year, it was, Michigan State's not going to be good. They might make a bowl game. They might go 6-6. Six and six. Then they have the season they did. If they didn't slip up against Northwestern, man, I mean, Michigan State has a chance to be something special, even, even more special than they were. I mean, obviously, Ohio State game was rough, but nevertheless, they – they were there. <laughs> I just really like too with, with Lewerke, like his ability to run the football and his ability to throw the football and also just lead a team. He's really developed into like a leadership role kind of a guy, which which is rare because a lot of the times, you know, you have guys that, you know, especially guys of his caliber that didn't come in with such high expectations, right? Like <laughs> nobody really expected Lewerke to light it up, right? Just like most of Mark D'Antonio's players. Exactly. <laughs> so you come into that and, you know, for him, he got his opportunity pretty early. But for a lot of guys like him, though, their opportunity, you know, doesn't come until, you know, junior, senior year, right? So they don't get a chance to build that camaraderie between the teammates and stuff like that that they have. Yep. And I think for Lewerke, like, just the ability to see him work with LJ Scott the way that he does, like, you know, Felton Davis the third, like, just they, Such a good receiver. there are just so many Huge options, target. and they all connect. It's just like, it is a beautiful car that just runs perfectly, sounds perfect, and it just, like, chugs along. You know, never never has anything wrong with it. It, it is like my 2004 Grand Prix. Oh gosh, <laughs> that door squeaks every time oh I my open gosh, it, man. man. It's like it's gonna fall apart every time we turn the keys. But no, that's what, that's what I'm saying though. Is like it's just like a well-oiled machine, running on all cylinders. It's it's perfect, and I I think their offense is great. Their defense is great. You know, and then team just, bonding is great. And like, then just thrown in like their schedule, like you said. Oh yeah, it's just gonna be. It's a schedule. Like, it's very favorable for them. And yeah, this just seems like that year that they snuck up a few years ago and they made that field goal. You know, with the, the whole arm <laughs> thing and everything when they beat Ohio State. If it was that same kind of year to me, where they're just gonna sneak up and take it from Urban Meyer again and, and get it. For, in my opinion, so what do you what do you think though about their? I mean, really, like not not looking at Utah State, but their next three games after that, maybe even four games after that, Arizona State. Indiana, Central Michigan, and Northwestern. Like those games, do you think they really win all those games? Yeah. I do. You do? I 100% think they do. I don't think that they're. Well, Indiana will give them a fight, I think. 
Um, I think that I think that maybe Northwestern always makes game. I mean, should they beat them last year? Um, Pat Fitzgerald group actually has a pretty good group coming back. So that, yeah, that could definitely be a game. But that's just where it's like if mm-hmm. Michigan State can be more mature than they were last year, they slipped up and lost a game like that. They're definitely supposed to be favored in all those games, obviously. But I don't know. I don't really see them much problems. I mean, I, I Central think- is just I mean too young coming in, a, a young quarterback and everything. Arizona State might give them problems. I think though Arizona, they mean they beat they beat Oregon, who was ranked number twenty four last year. They beat Washington, who was ranked fifth in the nation last year. Obviously, you know Arizona State, they they weren't that good. I mean, by the end of the year, they were seven and six after their bowl game loss. But nonetheless, that's that's one of those teams that can you know creep up on you. And then like we were mentioning with Michigan, Western Michigan, I think it's the same thing for you know Michigan State, Central Michigan. I think that's kind of the same type of. You know, Chip Wilds are going to hang with them for a while. And, I mean, then at that point, like, once you get in the third quarter and it's like a, a one-touchdown game at that point, like, you expect Michigan State to pull away, and that's probably what happens, but you never know at the same time. Yeah, I, I just think you can't overlook those those four games right there. I think Utah State's a win, but then— You definitely can't overlook them. Arizona State, Indiana, Central Michigan, Northwestern. Northwestern is such a look-ahead game, too, for Penn State mm-hmm. the next week. Mm-hmm. We're talking about an 11 and 10 matchup coming into the season right now. So that's I think that's, it's just that's interesting to me those four games I think I'm gonna really pay attention to those though for sure and just keep my eye on all those matchups and see how they kind of unfold. Is is a Big Ten title expected for Mark D'Antonio this year, or is it like is it something that you would expect? Is that is that where they're supposed to be? Are they at that caliber? I and mean, we're talking about how this guy has the best quarterback in uh, probably the Big Ten, and he's got everybody coming back around him. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say so, and I and I don't really. And to be honest with you, if you like my top three in the Big Ten, I got Michigan State, Michigan, and then Ohio State. Everybody's putting all this stuff high on Ohio State, and they have nobody coming back. Now they got these distractions with the coach being gone for a few games and everything else. I don't think Ohio State's going to be as good as everybody thinks that they're going to be this year. So I I would pick Michigan State, Michigan, and then Ohio State. Respect. Yeah, yeah. around there. Too early for me to predict, but for sure. Yeah, right around there. I feel you guys. Sounds good. That's where that's where I'm at with that. We'll see what Michigan State will do this year, but let's get into a little bit of professional football. It's my favorite team in the NFL. <sighs> Not really, but to be honest with you, I, I am a Lions fan, but man, it's hard to watch them. But this year, I don't know why, but I feel like I have confidence. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I you know what? If they had Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid in here right now, I would take the biggest swig. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> because they have a defensive minded coach in Matt Patricia. And Don't I think care. That, I think that they have a lot coming back on defense. I think that they're gonna He's be a winner. good in that way. You wanna know what they did, Evan? You wanna <laughs> what know what they, they did, do? Evan? They took their priorities in the draft and they did it right. They got an offensive lineman right away. You wanna know what they did? They got a running back from the SEC. They went out and got a running back. Look at Blunt that's played in two straight Super Bowls. So don't give it two different teams, two Super Bowls. What about, what about Amir Abdullah from the Nebraska? Charm. Are the Lions going to the Super Bowl yes. this year because they got LeGarrette Blunt? <laughs> I mean, if, if history repeats itself, being serious, I really like how this offseason has went. I know. With this coach for the first time. I seriously could not be more happy with it. And you, anybody who listened to this podcast last year knows how I feel about the Detroit Lions. It has been very good, in my opinion, the way they've been able to be. I mean, they're one and two in the preseason. I don't care about records. There's been plenty of signs from these running backs that they're all. I mean, Amir Abdullah is number three on the chart right now, and that was the guy that was supposed to be the guy. I mean, a few years ago, so it shows how much that they can already, you know, push push somebody out that's been there for a while. Um, and Theoretic, you know, as far as I know, is is fighting for a spot. So as as crazy as that is, it's like they actually have competition there. At that position, and you're talking about one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I I really like it right now. I like what I've seen in the preseason. 
I think they could be a very good team this year. So how do you see the running backs kind of shaking out? Then, like, what's your what's your order with that? Well, I mean, definitely I go with Legarrette. I think Legarrette won at number one simply just because you know he's he's been there. Kyrian Johnson mm-hmm. probably number two just mm-hmm. because I I like I like the, how they're both a power back and they mix that way. I think the Lions are going to go for that a lot because you want to know what they couldn't get last year. Anytime they hand the ball off, they couldn't get that extra yard. That's that was the problem. It was. We're li- the Lions, like, I appreciate that you have to stick with the run. you got to try to run the ball. If you don't try to run the ball in football, you're not going to get anywhere. But when you're just handing it off and it's just going to the right and it's going nowhere every single time, they're getting no yards like they would do repeatedly in games. And a lot of times they do it for two downs on a possession, and then you're already putting Matt Stafford in a third and nine, third and 11, whatever it is. These guys fall forward. They don't get tackled. And I can, I mean, like Gary Blunt, if you've watched them play football at all, if you watch the Patriots or the Eagles the past years, Guy doesn't get tackled like that. You put him on the goal line, he's probably going to score you a touchdown because you play fantasy football, you know that. It's it's a great ad because that's what the Lions need. Even if their line struggles, which everybody says this is the year, I mean, I I still can't believe that. It's the one thing I can't still believe the Lions, that they're going to have a good offensive line. i got to see it happen before I actually believe it because they have all these pieces. They've invested all this time into it. Don't know if that good, but I definitely see it going. Um, LeGarrette Blunt, Kerryon Johnson, and Amir Abdullah. Who? Huh? <laughs> Kidding. No, like, I, I agree with you. I, I, it was a who joke. Messing with Amir Abdullah. Um, oh, I got you. <laughs> but, but no, I, um, I I agree with you, though. I mean, I, I think LeGarrette Blunt's the guy. Like, he, he's, he's your dude right now, and he is, he's the workhorse. I mean, you're, you're going to have to ride him to the end. Like, you know that Matthew Stafford can't do it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's proven that he can, you know, put the backpack on and take a majority of it, right? But you need more. You need something else, and that's been proven. And, and I do agree with you in the fact that, the Lions do have more this year, but I—I'm—it's I, just too That's early right, to jump Evan. the gun. I'm not jumping the gun on that. I'm more concerned about who's going to win the backup quarterback position, though. For sure. <laughs> and that—that's what I'm. That, no, really though, like that's what I'm saying. Like, it's preseason. Like I don't—I don't like for me. And I know you look into, it, and that's great because we need that on this podcast. We need somebody that can look in, and, like you know, weigh these things out. For for me, Matt Cass or Jake Rudock. That's really like the only thing that I care about right now. Like I know what Matt Stafford is going to give me. I know what LeGarrette Blunt's going to give me. I know what, you know, Amir Abdullah isn't going to give me. You know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I know. Yeah, for I, real. Like, I know it? just from watching, like, what is going to be, you know, got out of these players. And so, like, I'm just kind of waiting around to see, you know, how that actually unfolds, basically. that That's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm not going to jump the gun yet. Well, you want to know what's funny? As much as I, as much as I say that I think that they're going to be a really good team this year, I just don't think the record's going to reflect it. It's really going to suck. <laughs> I think they'll I go think, two and zero to start. <laughs> I think that they're going to be a good team, but man, yeah. But after that, <laughs> and then after that, they'll fight. The 49ers, Pats, and Cowboys three in a row. Yeah, I don't know, man. Mm. I don't know if I see them getting the win there. What? Period. Packers, the Dolphins, maybe. Yeah, sure, they'll probably win that game. But the Seahawks, the Vikings, for me, Super Bowl contender. Bears don't on think the, that they're going to win that game on the road. That's never it's an easy the kind game. Of game they it's can just lose. Ne- yeah. I mean, Panthers, I think they could be back and be good again this year. They're a good enough team to compete with Detroit. Bears, the Rams, at, home a, Bears at home is a win. The, the Rams, a lot of people are high on the Rams this year. could be very good. The Cardinals, they don't have that many bad seasons in a row. I believe they got to be turning it around here somewhere, but we'll see. Still a game I think the Lions could win, but on the road again, like you said, even some of these games you would think the Lions could win, they're not even at home, mm-hmm. so it makes it a little bit harder. The Bills, yeah, probably a win, but then Vikings and Packers finish it out. It's just a tough schedule, in my opinion, of what they have for games lined up, and that's what's going to make it so hard for them to actually be a good team. I'm not going to give a prediction on their record. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. But I think that 
I think that they could be a really good team this year, but they're really going to have to overcome a hump that they haven't been able to do in the past and win big games on the road. And no I doubt. And I don't. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. And I don't. I don't think that they will be able to. So I'm not. Why is that? I don't know. They've never. They never have. So that's just what I just like. What Evan was saying. He doesn't want to jump the gun. And like, I do. I mean, I do believe they're going to be a lot better. But before, I mean, they have to win some. They have to win some big games. It's good. It's going to be <laughs> interesting to see how it goes. That. But it's just like, man, you know, these games are. Games are not easy, especially, I mean, some of them are Sunday night, Monday night football, all that kind of stuff. They got a couple of those sprinkled in there, so it's not going to be the easiest route for them. Um, but when it, when it comes to defense, I mean, you look at a guy like Slay in their secondary, it's it's going to be fine there, I think. Um, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of people believe in their linebacking core as well, but their, their front four is where it's kind of like, eh. I mean, Ziggy Anza comes back. He's healthy, but is the guy going to make it through more than two games? I think is the biggest question. Is he going to be able to actually be good? You know, is is, is Davis going to be able to be the guy at linebacker? Is he mm-hmm. really going to be able to lead this team um, and make this defense be this good? I mean, what 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 pieces of this defense, I guess, are you most interested in seeing this year? I, I just think it's one of those things, too, where, like, you don't really know. Like, as much as you want to predict stuff, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm excited to see how they all mesh and gel together. Like, I'm excited to see you know, uh, a lot of the linebackers working. And then also, like, to see Slay back there and, like, Glover Quinn, like, just see those guys working again. Like, yeah, I'm excited for that stuff. And, like, you know, I, I want to see it play on the field first, though. And you don't – you know, that's the thing that I hate about preseason, too, is you just <laughs> don't get enough of it, you know? Like, you can't really, like, soak it all up and really understand it. But, yeah, like, looking at the linebackers, you know, defensive line, you know, defensive backs, like, they have the talent. They, they've got the pieces, I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect defense. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But I'm saying, nonetheless, like, they do have the pieces. They do have it. But, like, what are they really going to do with it? And, and I feel like even for the past couple of seasons now, like, they've had the pieces, but they just haven't been able to do much with it. And I know they didn't have a running back and, and whatever. I get that. Yeah, it's always but, how it's been, though. <laughs> but that's always been their one missing yeah. piece, hasn't it? Yep. Maybe Why do you think I'm trying to drink that together. Kool-Aid right now, baby? I believe in these running backs. I know, but... I think for once they didn't screw it up. At least, you know what, at least if it doesn't work out, they went out and got a guy who's proven. He's run in the NFL and he's been good. Yeah, he's not a big yard carrier. He's not going to blow you away. But he's going to carry five guys on his back and he's going to get you seven yards on first down on a run. That's fair. At least they didn't screw it up like they usually do. That's what I think is going to make a major difference to this team this year and how much better they can be. But when when it comes to the defense, it's just like, can those other three guys besides Ziggy be anything to help them? Because, man, they got a secondary that could probably be top 10 i'd say probably top seven in the nfl Mm -hmm. they really do they have that kind of potential but how long they're gonna have to be in the field the offense is gonna have to make things happen i I just i don't know if get grabbing a running game is gonna be enough to do that some people think that they have one of the better receiving cores too on the nfl which you know i think is questionable but i mean golden tate marvin jones those are both guys that are that are that are pretty good and i mean galladay yeah, and that's you just said the name. You know, you're talking about watching some of these guys you don't talk about a lot. Everybody forgot about Kenny Galladay because of his injury and everything last year. That's like, I'm not gonna say Calvin Johnson two because he's not Calvin Johnson, but he's got the height and the same kind of ability, I guess. I mean, in a even way. even a guy like T.J. Jones, like you know, good hands, catches last sure year, just literally one yard under 400 yards and a touchdown. Like, what what can he continue to develop into? Where where does he kind of continue to take those next steps? We find ourselves with a lot of what ifs when you talk about this team and what and like what you said about the preseason. It's I agree. Been that way though, 
Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. The line's always that way. And you, and you talk about the preseason and how you said that you know you don't you don't like it. You can't get enough of it. I think more than any other professional sport out there, the preseason in football is like the complete like oh okay I'm gonna believe all this stuff because I see it and it's the least true because they play against like if it's backups playing or something or like players you just drafted they're playing against players they should probably be doing good against then they're gonna go up mm-hmm. against an NFL roster and it might not be the same thing so that's like where you gotta kind of be careful of what you see I mean the Lions haven't put up any like stunning numbers I mean they finally got their first win against the Bucks in a 33-30 game there's a lot of points there. there's a lot of things you'd see the running game looked pretty good again I I think that the running game is coming along, and that's going to be the the key to them having success this year. Well, when the, I mean, even when the right Lions now. were like, even when the Lions were like awful, awful, they'd still go four and zero in the preseason sometimes. Like the that kind of stuff just happens. Oh, yeah. sixteen season. That just that like that stuff just kind of happens sometimes too, they, and that's they're perfect for something to keep an eye on, just because you never know. We'll see what happens with them, but we'll move on. Uh, one team that we can actually talk about that actually has some things done on paper and did some things this season if you want to call it that, is the Detroit Tigers. They they played baseball this summer. But. Really? But. <laughs> we questioned if they would be worse than the 2003 Detroit Tigers, who had 43 wins, and the Tigers already have 53. So I Ooh. applaud you, Rod Gardenhire. You're not quite that bad. Um, but I, I think, I, and actually I'm not trying to say that because I think Gardenhire is bad. He is a great manager, and I think that he's done a pretty good job. He's with legit. What he's ha- exactly. And mm-hmm. if, if you watch some of these games, man, he he doesn't take crap from anybody. He he try he, and he's he's got these kids believing in him, and I think that that's the most important part. He made them play hard. I mean, when it was April and May, some people were like, "Man, is this team gonna somehow like stick around?" <laughs> now that was more just because the Indians were playing like really bad, but still, I mean, for where they were supposed to be at, I mean, this is about where you'd see them a fifty three team win or a fifty three win team at about this time of the year. It was still September to go. It's about where they'd be at, but. I mean, to me, the most exciting part of the season, you know, today I saw they lost the Royals 2-9. to nine. It's just been two straight months of an update coming to my phone, and I just completely ignore it. I look at the score, and that's pretty much yeah. it. Well, I mean, I mean, here, I, here's well, here's our starting lineup, right? If you want their starting lineup. Sure. James McCann, John Hicks, Nico Goodrum, Jimmer Candelario, Jose Iglesias, Mike Gerber, <laughs> Jacoby Jones, and the one name that probably jumps out, Nick Castellanos and then the other one, Victor Martinez. And that's basically those are the two stars. And Victor <laughs> Martinez is literally Say, half broke. Like, he's not even, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The one thing the, But for the Tigers, those are their air quote stars. Like mm-hmm. that that's all that they got. No, working for the like you said, I would I wrote an article this summer about like how um what I thought some of these guys would be and what their lineup could be in yeah. two thousand twenty. Um, I the only people that I actually listed on that article that are on the team right now is Nick Castellanos, Jacoby Jones, Nico Goodrum, and uh, Jamie Candelario. Those are the four people that could actually be in the team. I don't think that Nico Goodrum would be a starter, but those three guys actually have potential. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think the Tigers get rid of Castellanos. I think they hang on to him and hope that the rebuild comes about that time. Mm-hmm. I think the other two are young enough and have enough potential. Jacoby Jones doesn't have a bat, but I think his defense keeps him in the lineup. And I think that Jamie Candelario eventually picks up the bat, starts hitting better, and he's a good enough third baseman to stay there. But my point right now is that you look at what I just said, and unless you guys can think of anybody else that you think is still going to be there by that by that time in 2020, so a couple more years, why are you even watching them every day? You know, what what is there really to keep you interested? I mean, okay, and then pitching, Matt Boyd maybe, and Michael Fulmer, I guess. 
Um, I hope the gods Daniel Norris. Not, we'll see where Daniel Norris is at when he comes back. It's it's just a lot of injury problems with him. Yeah. I don't think he'll be there anymore, and I don't think he should. I think that if anything, it'd be the bullpen. He definitely needs to be taken out of the starting rotation. Well, in and Casey Mize will be up next year too. Like there no you doubt, go. he'll yeah, be up next he, year. You he, got Mize, you got all Franklin the Perez, you got Matt Manning, you have Alex Fado. Bo Burrows, like you have got you you have dudes. They have a lot of guys. You might see some of these guys in September call ups, and that that's the most mm-hmm. exciting part of the season that I, I absolutely cannot wait to watch is the September call up to see what they do. But with the progress that they've made with some of these players this year and stuff, I mean, is the season successful at all? Or where where well, are you at with it? I remember last year, I don't know why. Uh we were talking about this, how like what we think their season was gonna be like. Remember Evan saying like I think they should just play not to be last in their division. And hey, look what they're at—they're not playing, or they're playing not to be last. I mean, <laughs> the White Sox and the Royals are underneath them. So. Yeah, they're both terrible I mean, too. So yeah, so I mean, it's funny though because not... you look at the last two series and the White, the Tigers have won one of one of five, six games against the uh, Royals and White Sox. Yeah, it's like... So it's like, it's it's almost like they've gotten worse here uh, in the month of August. Like, it's been a really bad month. I mean, you look at it, there's a lot of L's in there. But, I mean, overall the season, I think for what they were, um, I think they definitely had some progress. I think you see the one guy that's really disappointing, obviously, is Michael Fulmer, man. Pitched again today, got yeah. shelled, and he's 3-10 and 10 right now. Fought off more injuries. It's just weird because he's the kind of pitcher that was getting better in the third in- or the the third time through the order was going on. Should have traded what, him. That's what he couldn't do this year. He couldn't get through that third. I, I mean, he's really young still. Give him some time. He's twenty two years old. Also, you have to think about he's it too, my like, age, man. Andy, what are you doing? That that's fair, but and yeah, yeah you also have to remember too, like the team's <laughs> team was awful. Yeah, I mean, the team's awful this year. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough to go out there and pitch, you know, every five days when your team sucks. Yeah, it can't be easy. I'm just looking forward to, you know, when Myers gets up. And then, like, you already got Matt Manning. You got Alex Fado, Bo Burrows, and Kyle Funkhauser. Like, they're all they're all with the Erie Seawolves right now. They're all in double A. Like, they could literally be called up, you know, in, as a September call. Like, no doubt. They should be. Like, any of those guys. Like, Franklin That's... Perez obviously shut down. Casey Mize. I'd say you just give him time. Don't push him. There's no reason to push him. No, but no, no, no. Let for him... these guys that are in double A just sitting there, like, and AAA is and AAA is like is for washed up players anyway. Like AAA is for your guys that are just always gonna be back and forth. Make the jump from AA. And if you're not gonna do it in September, do it when the season starts next year. I wanna see these guys pitching. I, I don't wanna see this garbage out on the field day in and day out. Absolutely. I wanna see I wanna see guys that are the future. I don't wanna see I don't wanna see this crap. When you're in a record where you're not even close to anything that matters you might as well play the people you call up in september every single day i don't yeah i don't want to see blaine hardy Artie lewicki oh i don't want to see if i see buck farmer pitch in september i might lose my mind oh of course i don't want to I mean, see francisco like, liriano nope get him out of here yeah, don't no. want it and, and not to save those guys like some of those guys did good for what they were this year and they actually came in and made them somewhat competitive the but they're not a part of your future exactly what I, you took the words right out of my mouth they're not they're not a part of what you're gonna be in the future and it's kind of frustrating to watch the tigers organization just keep all these no, these guys, these wash-ups in their lineup, I mean, they are they still act, like, you've listened to FSN, you watch a game, they still talk about Jordan Zimmerman like he's the ace. I'm like, give it up, man, he's just not good. Well, like, I mean, he kind of is their ace. Which is, mean, like, yeah, he's sad, probably their best but... pitcher. I mean, but you could also argue, I mean, Matt Boyd's been pretty good for him this yeah. year for what yeah. he's been, I mean, an 8-11 and 11 record on this team is a pretty damn good record, so I would, I would think, I would say that Matt Boyd had a very successful season um, for where he was at. Maybe not Quite as much progress as I want to see out of him, but I think he's had a pretty pretty good year. 
and can really turn it into something going in the future when he pitches in a lineup, maybe that's a little bit better. But they've invested so much in pitching. Mm-hmm. I want to see what the, what they have in this September month. What do they have in their farm system that can play in the field and hit? Like, I mean, I mean, someone has to show up and be better than what they're putting out in the field right now. Christian Stewart. Yeah, like, the guy's been around for a why long time. Is he, why, why is he in Toledo? Yeah. Why? You know, you know, Daz Cameron, same thing. Oh, my gosh, why I want to see him play. Why is he in Toledo? I want to see him like, play more baseball. Than I, I just don't get it. Um, you know, just looking down the prospect list, like Willie Castro, double A, Why? You know, Jake Rogers, double A. Mm-hmm. Why? Jay, and yeah, and Jake could be very good in the future, I And think. then, like, you know, Isaac Paredes, same thing, double A. I don't get it. I just don't understand. If they don't get called up, like, I, I'm going to be scratching my head. Not to say these guys are all going to be the next, you know, freaking Miguel Cabrera. That's not yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> They're not going to be the next Miguel Cabrera. They're not going to be the next Ian Kinsler. But, like, at least, like, just try it out. See I mean, what they're they, worth. Like they, they could be that good eventually. Not Miguel Cabrera good, but, I mean, they could be a, a, that good eventually. But you got to start getting them MLB time. That's what I'm saying. You know, you got to get them playing time. So, to me, that's The what, minors only tell you so much. Yeah. They really do. And what they've done so far through the season and who they've played and what they've been able to do with their lineup, I think it's good. I think it's been successful. But when the calendar flips over to September, if they don't start playing some of these guys that are younger, I think all of a sudden the season, to me, I'm kind of questioning what Ron Gardner did in the last month. When he had a chance to get people playing time, he didn't play them. So to me, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and I mean, even even for a guy like Dowell Lugo, who's second baseman, you know, he's not, you know, anything like crazy, crazy special, but he hit 270 in AAA. 270. He's not going to be a great MLB player. But why not just give him a chance, get him out there, and who knows, right? Like JD Martinez, mm-hmm. he came out of nowhere. You never know what you got until you, yeah, you give him a shot. Out. So that's my thing, man. We'll see what happens, but we'll wrap up the show now with our uh, stud and duds of the week um, to, to finish it up here. So Evan, I'll start with you. Who's your uh, stud this week? My stud this week. We're going. Yeah. We're going studs then duds. Either way, it works. No, I will do stud first. So um, my stud, not even for this week, really, just. For the whole summer um, is, well, LeBron James all day, every day. I think that was a great move for him, um, you know, going out to L.A. And, and stuff like that. And just, like, doing doing things for him, you know, not doing it for other people, mm-hmm. not doing it for his buddy Dwayne Wade or not doing it for, you know. No, I'm not saying that in a way to try to bash you. I know you're a big D. Wade fan, but just he did it for himself, man. He did it for him. He did it for his family. He did it for the rings. He did it for the legacy, like. He did it for himself. And finally, for the first time, he did it for who he was. Like, he went to, because he went to Miami with, you know, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade. And yeah, that was like kind of like a big package deal, really cool and stuff like that. And then, you know, he came back to Cleveland because he felt like he owed something to the city, right? Like, nothing was ever for him. Like, he's never done anything for him. So I've always liked the guy. The last thing that he's ever done for himself is, you know, going straight to the league. Mm hmm. I, I think so. Great move for him. I'm, I mean, I'm yeah, he made a lot of, of decisions in Cleveland on his own, but that's not. Yeah, but that's but just I, to make his team better. Yeah, and trying but to I'm, win I'm just saying, the, like, just doing things solely for himself. I get and for what your he concept wants. is there. Yeah, and I, LA was a great place for him to go. I mean, not even just for on the court, it's off, off the, the court, court stuff. Too. Yeah, like, yeah, let like him the shop that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like let it, let him do that. Let him do his thing. Let him, you know, play his career out in LA. Let him, you know, do whatever he wants after, whether it's sports talk, coaching, hanging out with his kids, or he wants to, you know, do movies. You know, whatever he ends up wanting to do, that's a great place for him to just continue to grow. Cleveland, you're just not really going to do much once you're done there. Obviously, he can move and do whatever he wanted anyway, but still, like, it's just a good good place to and be. And the school. 
Oh, oh yeah, the school. school. He opened Unbelievable. School. I'm a fan of it. Anyway, next. So happy to hear Evan <laughs> loving on LeBron. All right. Anyways, uh, my stud is uh, Hawaii, the Hawaii like Little League team that won the Little League World Series. Thought that was pretty cool. They beat South Korea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're my I, stud. Anything that's Little League <laughs> World Series always like it's so brings cool. back memories for me. It's so. so cool watching how good they are. I I love that kind of stuff. And I, I honestly, I'd rather watch that than the way the Tigers played this summer. So, um, but yeah, so uh, my my uh, stud is gonna be it's, it's kind of a weird one, but Reese Davis. Um, a couple of weeks ago, when this whole Urban Meyer thing finally came about, um, kind of hated on the um, the investigation that they did on him. And he, the the quote that was out there that I liked the most was, "I think it's a bit of a half measure to be honest. He either did something to rise the level the the level of his removal, or he did it." And I think that that is the most true thing about this whole thing of getting suspended for three games because, you okay, whatever, I'm from Michigan. Yeah, I hate the state of Ohio, whatever. That's not what I'm, That's not why I'm going to Urban Meyer right now. It's bigger it's than that. You know? This it's guy has ran from the NCAA since he was a Florida man. Why is he still getting second chances? Why is he still allowed in this league? Like, he's just – I mean, if it would have been worse than this, he probably just would have ran somewhere else and got picked up somewhere else in a second. So it's just like at some point this guy needs to be – removed from his position or not allowed to come back because when you keep doing things that are against the rules, I don't care if it was a minor slip-up. I don't care if it was just that he knew about something and he didn't say it. When Joe Paterno knew about something and he, he didn't say it, and know it was a completely different deal and probably a lot worse than what happened with Urban here. But he still was credited with it and still had to take a lot of the, the blame for it. The same thing should be having with Urban. It should be a lot more than a three-game suspension. It should be that he could shouldn't keep his job there. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared to say that because I think that he has ran from the NCAA for so long that at some point more is to be done. Um, that's the reason that Reese Davis is my stud because he stepped out and said something like that. So Legit. Uh, I yep. like it. Um, Evan, your dud? Yeah, so my dud this week is Central Michigan running back Jonathan Ward. Um, he was talking. I actually asked him the question. I was at practice on Tuesday, and I asked him, you know, it's a pretty big running back matchup between you and Benny Snell Jr. Like, you know, what do you know about him and what do you like about his game? And he said, quote, I don't know him. I don't think there's anything too special, end quote. So basically he's saying that he doesn't know him, but then he doesn't think there's anything too special. So, like, he definitely knows of him. Yes. And he's just trash talking. Like, no doubt. Everyone kind of knew he was trash talking. Okay. And if you don't know who Benny Snell Jr. is, um, yeah, like as a sophomore last year, he ran the ball. 262 times for 1,333 yards and 19 touchdowns in the SEC. Ridiculous. Absolute beast. Not to say that Jonathan Ward's not good, but, I mean, he he shot that off. And then when Snell was asked later that night about Ward's comments, he said, "I'm a, quote, I'm a back-to-back 1,000-yard rush in the SEC. My play speaks for itself, end quote. I think that's just class right there. Responding with class. Really liked it, but Jonathan Ward, let it play out not field. a good look. And for these Central Michigan linebackers, they're going to have to deal with with Snell. Good luck, because I hope Ward running his mouth isn't gonna isn't gonna burn you. Yeah, it's gonna hurt you in the end of the day for sure. It's definitely a definitely like it's almost like a little bit of a rivalry got started there that isn't even a, a rivalry between two running backs. So, Elena, uh, my dad is kind of to go along with your stud or whatever. Um, my dad is Ohio State because I think that Urban Meyer should have been fired. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no excuse for that. Like, that just kind of, I mean, I don't know. It just makes them look so bad. Like, what's really important, you know? Like, yeah, I don't know. He's my, they're my dad, I mean. <laughs> for sure. And mine is the uh, the Giants for re-signing Odell Beckham Jr. for $19 million a year. 
um, a six-year contract. I mean, the guy is basically making like a, a ridiculous amount of money. He is now the highest-paid um, wide receiver in the NFL. And it's just kind of like, seriously, I mean, a guy that got injured last year, and I know he is a freak of a talent. And you know what? Prove me wrong in the field. But I just don't think that this guy is good enough. Um, or not, not that he's not good enough, but he hasn't proven enough on the field, and especially with last year, to be the highest-paid receiver over a guy like Antonio Brown who has fought through injuries and played in playoff games. This guy has whined at times. He has a, a lot of a personality that holds him back from his full playing ability a lot. And when he just got hurt last year, you have no idea if that's going to reoccur and get hurt this year. I understand how hard it would be to let go of a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. and not sign up that high of a contract, but still, I mean, it's just a ridiculous amount. I mean, a, a two million or a $20 million signing bonus as well um, and $10 million to be paid right away. It's just like ridiculous amount of money for a guy that I think is kind of a head case in a way and didn't really prove himself last year to be able to get a contract like that. So it makes me kind of question it. But yeah, that'll do it for us this week on the Sportsman Like Conduct. Um, we will talk to you guys next time. Appreciate you listening. Uh, you can find it on CM Life and then I, I, I believe it's still uh, iTunes and SoundCloud. So make sure you guys are, make sure you guys are looking there and we'll talk to you next time.